In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. When Christ, the Son of God, was lifted up into heaven, he ascended to where he was before. He had been sent by God the Father into the world, and now the time had come for him to return. Only now things were a little different, to say the least. Now he comes before the Father as the one who has united his divine nature to our human nature and raised it up in glory, who struck the devil with a mortal wound by the cross, who trampled down death by his death, and who thus won salvation for us all. Indeed, now having been raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, Jesus returns to him as the eternally begotten Son of God, bearing our own human flesh, both true God and true man. Dear friends, the ascension of our Lord Jesus is anything but insignificant. It's anything but a mere detail that just happened to make its way into Holy Scripture, but perhaps could have been left out. But why exactly is this so? And what does our Lord's ascension mean for us today? Why is it that since the early days of the church, Christians have confessed the ascension in our creeds and celebrated it in the church year as we do today? After all, on the surface it seems that our Lord's departure to the Father would be to our disadvantage. Having revealed to us the secrets of the kingdom of heaven and having worked so many wonders among men, why should we be glad that Jesus, the second Adam, as St. Paul calls him, ascended to the Father? Well, perhaps when we consider the depths to which the first Adam had fallen and how sinful men have sought to ascend to God ever since, answering such questions becomes much easier. When the Lord God created man in the beginning, he formed him in his own image and likeness. What our creator is truly like in and of himself could be visibly seen in the human beings whom he created. Indeed, it pleased the Lord to express his own character in them. and He gave them dominion over all of life and withheld from them nothing needful. But the devil drew near and tempted them to reach beyond what they'd been given at the time, to ascend to new heights on their own terms rather than God's. Against God's word, Satan told Adam and Eve that the forbidden fruit would surely not bring them death. And instead, he led them to think that they could make themselves much greater than they were. That eating the fruit was how, in fact, they could make themselves become like God. Adam and Eve considered equality with God a thing that they could grasp. And so they grasped at the fruit in front of them. But in attempting to set their throne next to God on high, they fell headlong into sin and death, and the rest of humanity with them. In fact, ever since Adam fell trying to make himself like God, sinful men have been repeating his crime 
in many and various ways. Take, for example, the men who built the Tower of Babel, who sought to exalt themselves on high. Rather than spreading out and bringing God's name even to the ends of the earth as he commanded, that is, rather than filling the world with God's presence in and among them, and in this way subduing the earth, instead everyone resolved to cluster together. In that day, people sought to make a name for themselves instead and to ascend into the heavens by their own power. So they made bricks from the earth and built a tower, thinking this was how they could do it. This was the means by which they would raise themselves up as gods. But in the end, the tower they built was little more than a monument to their idolatry. And while it was their physical hands that were busy building this structure, in truth, it was all very much the work of the devil, seeking a way to ascend into the heavens for themselves. They were instead brought low, as he was. They who gathered together to glorify themselves in opposition to the Lord were humiliated and scattered in judgment. And your brothers and sisters in Christ, do not be deceived. Modern men will fare no better in their vain attempts at ascending to God on their own terms than did these wicked men of old. Recently, my family and I went to Barnes & Noble, and I picked up a book, a book written by one of the foremost thinkers of the World Economic Forum. His books have sold roughly 30 million copies and have been translated into some 60 different languages. And this particular book of his that I purchased is a number one New York Times bestseller, acclaimed as, quote-unquote, essential reading, and is praised by the likes of Bill Gates and the Washington Post, if that tells you anything. The book's most obvious and central point is this, that within the next 100 years, human beings will attempt to harness technology and scientific advancements in such a way that we will acquire a man-made kind of divinity. In his mind, humans will not leave the next step of our so-called evolution to chance. With gene editing and body modifications, we'll create superhumans. Tissue regeneration technology will grant us eternal youth. And by merging man with machines, we can avoid natural death indefinitely and therefore have immortality. By the means at our disposal, man will ascend beyond our current state and make ourselves gods upon the earth, free to do whatever seems right in our own eyes. The author is quite open and explicit about this. And although he's not sure if mankind will be successful, he speaks favorably and confidently that sooner or later, people will try, even if, in the end, it destroys us. 
Dear friends, ever since Adam fell into sin trying to make himself like God, people the world over have continually done the same. And in our sin, we defy the commandments of God, and we become guilty of opposing his rule. In this way, we seek to ascend and set ourselves up as gods. And sometimes this evil is open and manifest before our eyes, like the examples I've brought up here. But other times, it's hidden away in our heart, where only God himself can see. So let us then repent of all sin, whether visible or invisible, no matter how great or small. Together, let us confess that we have not lived like Jesus. For though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Rather than self-glorification, he humbled himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. In perfect, sinless humility, he gave his whole life to be an offering of self-sacrificial love, and that for God and neighbor. And in all of this, especially in his death, he manifests his divinity, that he most certainly is true God. But we must also see in his crucifixion particularly, he shows us what it means to be true man. Indeed, if you wish to see the fullness of what we human beings were always intended to be, you need only look to Jesus, the second Adam, in whose image the first Adam was formed. That is to say, if you would see even the perfection of mankind, you need only look right there. And if when you look on him, you despair of yourself, realizing how far short you are of his glory, be at peace, for God in his great mercy credits Christ's divine righteousness to you as a gift, not of your own doing. God reckons you righteous for the sake of his Son, and you now stand before him entirely justified by faith. Now the humility of Christ has become the pattern for all of us who by faith are truly God's children. And here's where the ascension comes in. At present, God our Father is conforming us into the image of his beloved Son under the cross. That is, in humility and in our present sufferings. But by God's grace, in due time, we shall, like Jesus, be exalted. For the Father has indeed highly exalted Christ our Lord and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. And the ascension of our Lord Jesus shows us where we will soon be when on the last day we are raised in glory. Today we celebrate that Christ our Lord has ascended to the highest heights beyond all the angelic orders beyond all created rule and authority, that he's been enthroned in power at God's right hand even. And this means he's been given dominion over all creation 
both as true God and true man. As St. John Chrysostom says, our very nature is enthroned today, high above all cherubim. And moreover, in the words of St. Augustine, we therefore are already in heaven with him, even though what is promised has not yet been fulfilled in our bodies. For Holy Scripture explicitly teaches in Ephesians 2, verse 6, that God has seated us with him in Christ Jesus, there in the heavenly places. So by his ascension, Christ shows us and all Christians what our future shall be. He has made a way for us to ascend in our glorified bodies, to be with him forever on high. And very soon, this shall all, in fact, take place. It will happen in the twinkling of an eye. Soon we shall put on immortality and be clothed with garments of light. Christ will continue to reign over all things forever and ever in glory, and we shall be with him always together as the sons of God. Amen.